week with Ben Ellis. This is Switch. Tomorrow, Boris Johnson will outline his roadmap to easing lockdown restrictions. There's definitely been a significant drop in cases and deaths in recent days. And the PM is arguably growing increasingly confident better days lie ahead. We've heard all that before, of course. But research this week suggests many of us aren't all that keen to return to the office and have become accustomed to working from home. We'll be talking about this and the art of multitasking with the gadget show's Harry Wallop, who will be joining us on the show. The pandemic has affected our lives in many different ways, especially when it comes to our relationships. We're finding out uh, about the impact of getting under each other's feet for the last year and the effect it's had on our sleep. We are the station that promotes local artists, of course, and Fiona Douglas has been at it again. We play their music all the time here on Switch and Overpass will be appearing on the show today. And of course, a lot of us in Birmingham are fans of the great Bob Dylan, some describing themselves as Dylan disciples. Many would have travelled to see the great man in London down the years, something of a pilgrimage in fact. Well, a fascinating book has been written charting Dylan's visits to the capital over the years. We'll be chatting with the co-authors on the show today. All this and more on The Week with me, Ben Ellis, right here on Switch Radio. The Week with Ben Ellis. This is Switch. Now, multitasking is here to stay with nine in 10 office workers saying they don't want to return to normal. A huge majority of adults want to juggle some homeworking with domestic life. An astonishing 87% of people say that when COVID is over, they either want to work entirely from home or mix working from home with the office uh, with working from home. Just under seven in 10 believe multitasking helps them achieve more in a day, while 60% do it much more when working from home than in the office. There's a lot, there's a lot to uh, do with this uh, research, which is absolutely uh, fascinating. And uh, to talk more about it and where the research has come from, uh, it's uh, Harry Wallop from The Gadget Show presenter and uh, consumer journalist. Harry, hello. Hello. Good morning. Good morning. And yeah, uh, fascinating stuff. Uh, Obviously, uh, if the politicians are are to be believed, we're uh, hopefully approaching the end of this uh, crisis where uh, lockdown restrictions are, are, are starting to be eased but um, many, many people have got used to working from home those who are uh, fortunate enough uh, to have been able to do so. Yeah I mean you know this is really um, a really fascinating survey from Zeiss Vision Care and it suggests that that people uh, don't want to go back to normal and I would have thought that they would be desperate for if nothing else for a change of scene uh, and to get back on the commuter train and back to their offices, see some different faces than the ones they've been uh, seeing through blurry video cameras. Uh, But no, uh, I think a lot of people have really embraced uh, working from home. Uh, But of course, that is a slightly different issue, working from home than than sort of the multitasking, juggling chaos that is working from home while also managing, you know, family life and and school life. So, you know, it's quite a tr- it's quite a tricky topic, and I think we're going to struggle to to navigate uh, the return to normal uh, over the next well, hopefully over the next few months. But of course, it may be over the next couple of years. It could well indeed. Uh, just taking my own uh, position on this, cast your uh, your mind back a year when they said, "Look, that this thing looks like it's going to be getting out of control, and and we're going to be um, working from home uh, with my day job." Uh, home working was always an option but I never took that option I always went into the office uh, I always liked to keep the two things uh, sort of separate and I had 
uh, young children. And I thought, well, I'm not going to get much work done if the, if the, the kids are climbing over me all day like little gremlins uh, and what have you. But I have to pay tribute to my children actually they haven't interfered with my work in any way shape or form and it's been it's been really easy and I and I I kind of um sympathize with, with a lot of um the data here I, I'm I'm not all that keen to uh, return to a five-day working week in the office away from home I, I've got used to it yeah and I think absolutely uh well you know there's been all sorts of other studies that have suggested that if you've been lucky enough to keep your job uh, then you're better off uh, from lockdown financially, uh, because, you know, not just you're no longer commuting, you're no longer buying an overpriced coffee, uh, you know, at, at lunchtime in the office. Uh, it's all the other stuff that's come with lockdown. You know, we haven't just haven't been able to go on holiday or, or go out partying. So a lot of us have more money in our pockets. Uh, we sort of splashed out a bit more, be it on the kit uh, to make working from home easier, you know, the, the extra laptop, the uh, you know, the, the standing desk or whatever. Uh, but of course, we're going to have to slightly untangle that. Uh, hopefully, when the economy returns, we will realise that some of that financial benefit was was temporary. Uh, and so trying to trying to keep the best of working from home uh, uh, without the hassles is is what it's going to be all all about. And, and this this nice survey suggests that there's quite a big sort of split between those who find, um, you know, multitasking easy and those who find multitasking uh, are difficult. There's also an aspect from the research of um, people say they kind of enjoy working at home more, but they have been kind of caught out in moments where they should have been working, perhaps, and uh, have not been doing so. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think it's a uh, nice service, just more than one in five uh, say they've made, uh, you know, quite basic mistakes while trying to trying to work and do something else. I mean, gosh, we've all been on a on a really boring work uh, video call while surreptitiously uh, checking our phone for emails uh, or indeed Twitter. Um, and, and there have been some catastrophic errors uh, that have made the, made the news from people doing things they really shouldn't be doing uh, while on a Zoom call. Uh, but there's a lot of things, you know, um, I mean, 18% of people said they put something back in the wrong place. 17% uh, uh, said that they, you know, they pressed sent on an unfinished email. Gosh, I, I did that when I was working in the office. So I'm not sure that's hugely, <laughs> hugely surprising. Calling people the wrong name is often quite common, especially on a video call, because you have their sort of name flashed up as a caption, which is fantastically useful, I find. Someone who always forgets people's names, but it turns out it's not their name. It's their wife's name or their child's name because they've been borrowing their laptop and it's it's like that parish council meeting. It's Julie's <laughs> iPad, and it's not actually Julie. <laughs> uh, yeah, indeed. But to, to counter that, though, where they say look, you've been caught out, like uh, because you're multitasking, and the, and the multi multitasking doesn't necessarily in, in, include work. Well, I say I, I would argue that um, certainly my workplace, but a lot of uh, em employers encourage. Um, while you're at home uh, to um, for five, 10 minutes, go and do something else and, and take the strain off your eyes from, from yeah. looking at a screen all day. Yeah, that's interesting because of course, what, what this study found was that um, uh, the, the worst physical aspect of working from home, uh, I would have thought would be a bad back or a sore neck, uh, which I have suffered from in the past from, from, from working uh, from home. But actually that, that was uh, far more people said they just suffered from tired eyes, uh, which is maybe not surprising because they're just spending so long in front of a, not just a screen, but screens 
in general you know it's such a battle now to get time away from a screen and, and obviously screens close up to your eyes in a way that uh you know i'm a glasses wearer and have been for years and years and years and uh you never used to stand so close to a screen or or sit so close to a screen it was the tv on the you know, on the other side of the room or 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 a pc you know at a desk but you now have got you know often you're at a pc or at a laptop and then you you put your phone right up to your face uh especially if you're then you know walking up and down the stairs while trying to uh, answer emails as well so i think our eyes have really struggled uh during lockdown and i think it's important as well though for people to um although we're, we're a year into this now for people to say well yes uh, i i'm still able to work from home i'm being required to work from home but the responsibility is still there with your employer to make sure that you're working in a safer environment as possible and that that in is in terms of your eyes it's in terms of your your back and your neck and your and your hands you know don't not have that conversation simply because you're not in the office yeah i think that's a really important point ben absolutely uh uh your yes your 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 work place uh, may not be physically in an office but they still have the responsibility for your health as it as if they were and remember your you know your office will be making a, a saving a small fortune uh, not having uh, you in the office, you know, that's freeing up rent, uh, you know, utility bills, so they can jolly well spend the saving on making sure you've got beer, a comfortable chair, beer, uh, a correct, you know, a proper uh, PC or, or making sure you've got a separate laptop so that you're not hunched over, uh, uh, sorry, separate keyboard so that you're not hunched over your, your laptop, which is what causes a lot of a lot of problems yeah and as, as i say it, it's it's a bit of a slogan but um um don't worry about having a pain in the neck you can be a pain in the neck if you need to be uh to your to your employer and uh, because that that's that's the law they've, they've they've got to get that right they've got to have that duty of care uh, as, as far as the um the research that we've talked about here from uh, zeiss vision care it's one of the world's leading manufacturers of eyeglass lenses uh, and um i i can never pronounce this word ophthalmic is that right? <laughs> op, op, I'm going to let you do that one, Ben. <laughs> Ophthalmic instruments. Um, so that they've done this research and uh, they've uh, developed these smart life lenses to, designed to improve what uh, uh, you view in your peripheral vision. Obviously, there are other um, there are other um, uh, companies who develop similar products, but um, the, these are things uh, to look at, uh, aren't they, Harry? When uh, looking at taking care of our eyes while working at home uh yeah i mean obviously the most important thing is that the opticians are still open and they have been open from from the very start so if you are a glasses wearer or indeed more crucially probably you think you might need to, to be a glasses wearer uh pop into an optician find your local optician and they will do your eye tests uh i and uh you know opticians have got so much better uh, in recent years, and their testing has got so much better. And and I know it sounds really silly. The lenses it doesn't really matter who makes them. Have got the technology's got so much better. Uh, so uh, yeah, you can go on to. I mean, gosh, you can just Google your local optician, find out um, who's around, or you can go on to zeiss.co.uk uh, and and find an op and look for find an optician, and they can recommend uh, re recommend one near you. Uh, but it is it is worth. It's a bit like the dent, a bit like dentists. Don't leave it too late uh, before uh, booking an appointment. And ju just finally, um, how are things on uh, uh, the gadget show in the in these 
digital uh, COVID times. We had Otis on uh, before Christmas uh, as well. So uh, how are things gadget show wise? It's going really well. We've got a new series that started, uh, what, last week, a uh, week before, uh, but it's all been, a lot of it's been done remotely. So I haven't seen Otis for a year now. I now broadcast from my sofa at home. Uh, so I miss my sort of weekly sessions with 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 the gang. Uh, but it's remarkable. We have, I mean, TV has been quite a, the TV industry has done amazingly well at sort of navigating uh, sort of co- the COVID era. And there's all sorts of, I've done various bits of TV and I've always been uh, during the last year and I've been hugely impressed with um, uh, some of the sort of the protocols, you know, endless, I did something with Philip Schofield and I had to get tested. <laughs> uh, I had to get tested before I could get anywhere near Philip Schofield uh, to make sure uh, that we were all safe. Uh, so I think, yeah, TV industry, along with I think the film industry, uh, people are being tested on a daily basis to make sure they're not they're not spreading uh, in studios. Harry Wallop, TV presenter from uh, Channel 5's The Gadget Show. Uh, thank you very much indeed for joining us on the programme. Thank you very much, Ben. The Week with Ben Ellis. This is Switch. Now, we all know the songs, we all know the words, we all know the lyrics, we all know the titles. Blowing in the wind, the times they are a-changing, and like a rolling stone, I have to name but three. But to anybody who is a bona fide Dylan disciple, there are lots of things that you do need to be uh, in touch with and you do need to know about. And one of those is Bob Dylan in London. Troubadour is a book that's been written all about uh, the great man and when he's been uh, playing in London and the places that he's been visiting. And uh, this is absolutely fascinating. Uh, We're going to be speaking right now. Uh, to the co-authors of the book, Bob Dylan in London, Troubadours. It's Keith Miles and Jackie Lees. Hello to you both. Hi there, Ben. Lovely to speak to you. So this is fascinating. Thank you. Yes, we we, uh, had great fun writing it. Great fun uh, in touring around London ourselves, which is what sparked the book, really. That connection between Dylan and London, which has never been properly explored before. We think we've really filled a gap that wasn't uh, hadn't been tackled, despite there being well over a thousand books about Bob Dylan. Do you like the term Dylan disciple? I think it's I just think it's the coolest thing. <laughs> I find it a little bit scary. You have to be a disciple. We, we'd like to think that a, uh, a normal, regular music fan could enjoy the book as well. And essentially, that's what Jack and I are. We, we weren't coming at it from a, an academic point of view or with any, any great insight other than we were, were, you know, very, very keen Bob Dylan fans and yeah. wanted to tell these stories. Well, from my own point of view, I, I wouldn't even try to kid anybody and say I'm, I'm a, a Dylan disciple or, or a huge fan, uh, but I, I'm aware of what everybody else is, is aware of. So uh, uh, the Highway 65 Revisited and and uh, the tracks that we mentioned at the top of the interview. I used to do a show on this radio station with uh, an, an obsessive Dylan disciple and uh, learn a lot from him, uh, shall, shall we say, uh, to the point. And, and uh, just from I'm following music throughout the... Uh, throughout the years and, and, I, and i'm not a fan of genres or eras i'm a fan of 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 great music it doesn't matter when it was from if it's great it's great uh, and you, you look at it all and this is just my opinion i i think bob dylan i i describe bob dylan as the the greatest one-man band there's ever been because because you look at that those images with with the the big drum on his back and the harmonica and uh, and all that like a like a like a busker uh, in the streets, and uh, I, I can't think of anybody better. 
Yes, and the, what's wonderful is, of course, he didn't stick with the solo uh, no, 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 either. No, no, you know, no. he's he's been. I think he he really loved it when he finally could shed off the solo folk singer image, um, and when he went electric. And but then he's gone back at various periods to more acoustic material. He's a comp, you know he's just a he's a magpie. He's a he's a master of everything he put his puts his hand to. Um, yeah, he, he really is just one of the absolute greatest singer songwriters and performers. Um, you know, not everybody will agree. Some people will have seen him live uh, if they've caught him on a bad night. Uh, I, I've read, you know, I'm not, right. I'm not an expert. Uh, he, he can be a bit disappointing, uh, a bit grumpy. He doesn't talk to the audience, for example. But but obviously he has influenced so many musicians yeah uh, and uh yeah has such a hugely long career he's going to be 80 this year and he put out an album all original material last year yeah a, a, a lifetime of uh chain smoking has definitely affected his voice uh <laughs> I, I think so you, you're not going to hear in 2021 what you heard in in 1965 uh, for sure but uh, if you're truly appreciative you, you'll know that uh, so, uh, tell, tell us about the book um where did the idea come from well it was very much a a labor of love jackie and i have been uh fans of Bob Dylan for, for, for many, many years since we were very young. But uh, we met at university and we didn't even know we were Bob Dylan fans because I think in 1979, you kept it a bit quiet. You kept it to yourself. Um, but we set out a couple of years back on a pilgrimage around the various sites and locations of uh, essentially music history that we, we have in the book. And we uh, set up the Dylan Room at the Troubadour uh, which we're, we're delighted to co-curate. And we felt we wanted to put those stories out. We, we personally think they're fascinating stories. This is all, all music, history and rock and roll is in this book. So we wanted to put that out and we wanted to pass on our, our, our passion and our, our love of this music, both Dylan and also our love as Londoners, really. Um, you know, it's a it's a guide to great sights in London as well as it is to music. Yeah, and that's definitely the case. I mean, there's plenty of people listening to uh, this show. I would say we're we're based in Birmingham, but but many will have. Uh, will have traveled uh, uh, down to London. So uh, if, if they were to get hold of the book, uh, there's, a, there's a chance obviously to um, uh, not only retrace the steps that, that Bob Dylan took on his visits to London, but you could also um, retrace your own steps and your own memories of, of when uh, you as a fan would have gone to see uh, Bob Dylan in London as well. Yes, yes, yes potentially. Um, the book, we we stop uh, in the 1990s with the, with the stories. Um, there are, of course, perhaps there'll be another edition one time where we'll catch up with the with the uh, times he's been here in in the twenty in the twenty first century. Um, but yes, uh, the, the locations are quite spread out, so I would urge anyone to book a whole weekend uh, when we're allowed to to travel out of our own areas again, um, and then they can be punctuated with stopping into the various pubs, um, even the hotel bars. Uh, as well as doing a few, uh, a bit of walking around, say, Camden Town, where Bob Dylan was filmed uh, in, in the 1990s, um, as he made a video for a wonderful track on a wonderful album um, called World Gone Wrong. Uh, absolutely. And, and within the book as well, um, th th there's some terrific illustrations as well, aren't there? That there's a map that you can, uh, that you can follow as well. 
It was always our vision. It was the one thing that never changed. We were first time authors and we didn't really know what we were doing. We just thought, well, it was Keith's idea to, to write the book. Um, I wasn't, I had to be persuaded because with over a thousand books on Bob Dylan, I, I didn't want to just do another one for the sake of it. Um, but when he said that no one had ever talked about Dylan in London before, um, it seemed to me that making it a guidebook would be a really good idea. And then we managed to find this fantastic illustrator uh, called Julia Vitronjek, who um, we, when we sent her a, a couple of chapters, she just came back with these wonderful images that were just how we were thinking, uh, you know, how our words, if we could have put them into pictures, that's exactly what we would have done. So we were, yeah, we were super lucky. And we, we felt it gave the whole book that feel, that sort of cool, easy, fun feel, which a lot of Dylan books, quite frankly, don't have. They're, they're much more serious, uh, much heavier weight uh, uh, reading material than ours is. And for yourselves, you mentioned it's the first uh, go at writing. Who did what? Was it 50-50? Was it 60-40? Did somebody no, we, do it? We, we split up 50-50. We split the chapters. And one of the... the Difficult things, which I, I think we've pulled off quite well, is that no one can tell which chapter was written by which person. So we write them in this with the, the pretty much the same kind of voice, really, if you like. So we'd, um, yeah, we we chose chapters essentially that, that interested us uh, more than others, I guess. I think there was a there was a lot of editing required to get the voice to sound the same. Oh, to yes. be honest, <laughs> that was that was the biggest challenge. Um, really, uh, was was to try and make sure that nobody would open it and think, "Oh, this is clearly being put together by two people singing from different hymn sheets." Uh, absolutely, and, and I love the um, if those you can see it on the. Uh, the the video right now uh, we've we've got the front cover uh, on, on the, the the screen behind me so I'm I'm guessing that's the Albert Hall is it that's the, the royal yeah. that's the royal Albert Hall and uh, it just captures can't quite see it from where your microphone no, stand no I'm is, sorry but it, that's quite right but it captures Bob Dylan all by himself on the stage he just had his uh, his harmonica rack a stool a glass of water. Uh, in front of the Albert Hall crowd. This this would have been in the 1965 concert where he was doing the solo acoustic set. Um, and uh, yeah, I think it just captures that 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 troubadour um, uh, really, really well. It's beautiful. Yeah, and uh, about the book, I mean, it, is it available in uh, obviously uh, uh, paper form? Are there um, sort of interactive tools as well? Because the kind of thing that, that would say to me that that this, this could be a, in, in the old, days uh, strange to think of them as old days now of a cd-rom but um the, the the kind of interactive things with the maps and what and what have you is, is, are there more layers to this than, than just a book well there, there may be i mean it, it lends itself to a a traveling app at some stage i guess and uh, yeah. you know if people are traveling you know around when 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 tourism tourism is there um you know we hope that people will use the map in a physical sense and 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 go around but uh, um, yeah, yeah there, there are distinct possibilities and and we hope in our own small way that this will spur people on to to do more in in, in music tourism really you know yeah. london and birmingham and many other cities have a wonderful wonderful musical heritage and history that we tend to neglect 
And, you know, it's only in recent times that Liverpool, for example, has opened up tours and museums and restaurants and other things related to the Beatles. That's only in recent years. And, you know, we really need to make sure that we make the best in this country of what is a wonderful heritage that we have. So uh, a bit earlier on, I, I did say that uh, I, I regard him as the greatest one-man band ever, uh, as well as an amazing uh, songwriter as well. But for, for yourself, just to finish up, what, what, what is the overall legacy of Bob Dylan? Well, I think really he, if you look through the book at the times he was here, at the times in the early 60s when he really inspired the Beatles to become uh, a much more literate sort of band, um, you know, throughout history, Bob Dylan crops up and, you know, he goes electric, he um, inspires so many people, you know, throughout time, Bob Dylan is leading the charge. We don't always know where he's going, but he's leading the charge. And uh, for you, Jackie? Um, yeah, sorry, I was so amused by what Keith just said that I lost track of the question there, Ben. <laughs> I love so you, the idea that we, he's leading the charge, but we don't always know where he's going. Yeah. That is so true with Bob Dylan. Yeah. He's never any idea where he's... And he never goes where you think he'll go. But, yeah, he's he's inspired. He's inspired so, so many people. I mean, you know, Bruce Springsteen is, a, is another really obvious, huge devotee of Bob Dylan. Um, even... Uh, I didn't even know this... Um, uh, you know Mark Bolan with T-Rex mm -hmm. yeah uh, Keith told me this that Mark Bolan chose his surname as a combination of Bob and Dylan to make Bolan is that true Keith or is that just it a myth? is very true he was yeah, a I, I still fan. find that amazing there are well he was his real name is Mark Field and um he was a huge Bob Dylan fan there are pictures of he wrote to Melody Maker, a fan letter um, standing up for one of Bob Dylan's albums. He was an enormous Bob Dylan fan. You wouldn't think that with T-Rex and Mark Boland's music particularly, but, you know, yeah, that's where his inspiration was. Even yeah. the image, maybe the hair as Could well. Be. Could Dylan's, be. Bob Dylan's yeah. hair is yeah. pretty Could iconic be. as well. Yeah, And of course, the, the late uh, great cricketer Bob Willis, who added uh, D to Bob, his uh, middle yeah. initials. Bob, Bob Dylan Willis. Yeah, Indeed, yeah. indeed. Uh, as a, a huge fan of Bob Dylan. So Bob Dylan in London, Troubadours, it is available uh, presumably wherever you find uh, all, uh, all your nice books. And uh, it, it, it's a fascinating thing. And, uh, and you don't even have to be a Dylan fan to appreciate this as well, because that, that, that's, the, that's the really great thing about this. Uh, Keith Miles and Jackie Lees, uh, co-authors of the book. Thank you very much indeed for joining us. Thank you very Thank much. You. Thank, Thank you. you very much indeed, Ben. The Week with Ben Ellis. This is Switch. It is the best of the week with me, Ben Ellis, from Switch Radio across Birmingham. You can listen to us every Sunday between 12 and 2, UK time, that is, wherever you're listening to this uh, podcast around the world. And you can listen again to the show in full, including all of the music that we play, on our website, switchradio.co.uk. Before we move on to our next item, we need to put a bit of a, a disclaimer uh, in. It was recorded uh, the previous week, but broadcast on our most recent edition of uh, the week on the radio. The reason for that is because uh, there was a danger at the time that it would have um, meant we'd have done two similar sounding interviews on the same show. So there's mention uh, of Valentine's Day coming up. There's also a mention of sleep disorders, which, uh, as you may remember, if you listen to our previous episode, we did uh, a special 
on uh, sleep apnea. But uh, anyway, uh, this is The Week with me, Ben Ellis. Moving on. The Week with Ben Ellis. This is Switch. Now, the bedroom, apparently, is under threat. We are better off alone. I do love a pun. Almost half of Britain's couples often sleep apart thanks to the annoying bedtime habits of their partner. Eight in ten Brits have trouble sleeping in general with uh, top reasons including being too hot or cold at night, multiple trips to the loo, and one in four lying awake worried about the current world situation. There's lots more uh, to do uh, with this. Uh, this is uh, research done by Eve Sleep. Uh, relationship coach and psychologist Sam Owen and sleep expert Dave Gibson are uh, joining me on the line right now. Uh, hello to you both. Hi there. Hello. Uh, hello there. Um Sam, of course, relationship coach and, and, and psychologist as you are, it, it, it is Valentine's Day, but it's it's a Valentine's Day like like no other because of the, the pandemic and couples, um, because of lockdowns, have, have spent too much time together. Definitely. Such a good point. And, you know, it just makes it all that harder um, now, doesn't it, to create that romance and and engage in fun activities together. And one thing that is found to increase your intimacy in the bedroom and general relationship satisfaction is it for long term romantic couples to engage in novel you know self-expanding activities together so doing something that's new together that they haven't done before that expands their minds and all their abilities somewhat and and doing that in the current climate is just becoming increasingly difficult um but you know it is just about being really thoughtful and i think people now because of this the strains of society right now we are able to be more appreciative of the smaller pleasures that we had, such as going for a romantic stroll, maybe having a picnic in the park, um, you know, and, and just candlelit dinners and things actually that we'd forgotten about doing. So actually there's a lot of niceness that's come out of it mm-hmm. as well. Um, and, uh, and of course, if you're having a nicer time together in the day and you're not bickering and you're not, so, and you're helping each other to feel calm and healthy and happy, then it will also contribute to a better night's sleep. And then, you know, hopefully more people will be able to get to sleep uh, quickly and have a good night's sleep through the night. And, you know, looking at this research from Eve's sleep, it's really interesting how, um, you know, one in four Brits are struggling with their sleep because they're concerned about uh, politics and uh, and world situations going on right now, things like Brexit and COVID and US politics. But then also, um, you know, people are, are are reporting that their partners also just have annoying habits as well, such as snoring was uh, 44% of people mentioned how irritating that was. But then you've got funny ones like clipping toenails in bed. You know, apparently 30% of people why, do that. Why would you do that? That just makes <laughs> no sense to me at all. I have no idea. It makes no sense to me either. I'm literally wondering who these people are. <laughs> yeah, there's a, there's a top 10 of, of, of bedroom habits. Uh, so uh, hogging the duvet, clipping toenails, uh, breaking wind. I'm not allowed to say the F word because my mum's listening. She thinks it's vulgar. Um, uh, too, too much uh, space in bed, tossing and turning, eating, uh, leaving clothes everywhere, not using the washing basket, playing games or watching something on their phone and bringing work to bed. So your, uh, your laptop, taking a work call, uh, looking at work on, on, on your phone. It's, it's fascinating. So these are barriers. If a relationship is going to have to um, uh, succeed, then uh, th- these are the kind of things that you can look at. And because it's been it's been analysed, these are areas that, that couples, couples can focus on. Um, Going to come to 
uh, Dave right now uh, uh, about the, the thing about the sleep and, and, and the snoring as well. Uh, as I said earlier on the show, we talked about um, sleep apnea often being a, a, a cause of snoring. But there are other reasons, aren't there, Dave, that there's, there, there's diet, there's lifestyle. Yeah, the, 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 the biggest things with snoring is people putting on weight. Your tongue actually gets fat with you, and that's why you, your tongue vibrates more, which is, initiates the snoring. It's to do with alcohol, and it's to do with lying on your back. Um, I have actually been booted out into another room for snoring when I was with a, a light sleeper, and that's what, that's one of the issues. The hog in the duvet one that came out, that's that's to do with how how difficult it is to get the temperature right for couples. You know, this time of the year when it gets cold outside, one of the couples is going to whack the temperature up. We actually have things that initiate sleep. Most of us know it's to do with being in the dark, but a lot of us don't realize that temperature is an initiator of sleep. It's because your core body temperature drops one degree centigrade. So what we do is we make we make the winter bedroom the same as a summer bedroom. We, we put the temperature too high and 65 degrees Fahrenheit is quite a cold temperature yeah. for some people. So one, what happens is one person hogs the duvet and the other person doesn't. So... When, when I get people coming in and talking about that, I ask them what size of bed they're in. To start with, most of us end up in a double bed. That's twice the size of a cot. And then I ask them what size the duvet is. Most of them put the same size on as the bed rather than trying to buy something bigger. Um, and there's a, there's a great product. There's this, this yin and yang duvet. And what each sleep have done is they put one side heavy and one side light. So it, it's, it suits couples that like a different temperature at night. Excellent stuff. Yeah. Um, do you think uh, people having uh, issues with their sleep as well through uh, the lack of daytime activity during the pandemic as well? So um, people haven't been able to build up enough um, natural tiredness through activity. Yeah. Well, what, what happens is that the, the way the body clock works, it, it uses the difference between daylight and nighttime to initiate sleep through the melatonin. And if you haven't had enough daylight, you actually struggle to sleep. So getting outside, and particularly in, in, in lockdown, people forget to have a commute. So going outside before you start the day enables you to sort of think of the day ahead. And more importantly, having a break going outside at the end of the day when it's still light to get that, that extra dose of, of sunlight. It also provides um, vitamin D, with a, which aids sleep. So getting outside to get out of the home, have a break between work and home is really important. Well, it's fascinating research from uh, Eve Sleep, from the relationship uh, aspect, from the, the health aspect in terms of the sleep. I know you've both got to go off to, to other interviews right now, so uh, we do appreciate your time. Relationship coach and psychologist Sam Owen and sleep expert Dave Gibson, thank you very much indeed for joining us. Thanks a lot. Thank you. The Week with Ben Ellis. This is Switch. We'd like to thank you very much for taking the time to download and listen to our podcast, The Week with me, Ben Ellis, from Switch Radio across Birmingham. If you subscribe to our podcast, wherever you usually find yours, you'll get a nice notification of when each new episode lands, usually around about lunchtime in the UK, Monday or Tuesday, just as a bit of a, a heads up for you. Continuing now, and we're handing you over to Fiona Douglas. The Week with Ben Ellis. This is Switch. Okay, well, thanks for that, Ben. And I have the pleasure of the company of up-and-coming Brummie band Overpass. Good afternoon, guys. 
No problem, you're welcome. Okay, so as I say, up and coming Brummy Band. We've got three quarters of the band with us today. <laughs> but do you want to give your, the listeners a bit of an overview of who you are and uh, what you play in the band? Um, I'm Max and I'm a lead singer and I play guitar. Um, I'm Indy, I play bass guitar. I'm Joe and I play the drums. <laughs> so we're missing the lead guitarist and his name is... Elliot. Elliot. Yeah. Elliot. Elliot. I've only wrote, wrote half a name down there. I've got Ellie. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so um, right on the back of your really successful debut launch, if you like, of One Night Lover, which is a brilliant single, um, I think it's it kind of, you know, everyone's been there, haven't they? Rolling out of nightclubs and whatnot. And, I, you know, is that what the, the, the song is about? I'm not even old enough to go to a nightclub. Um, so, <laughs> no. Um, Who the old enough? <laughs> it's the idea. Um, yeah, yeah. We're all well. We were all underage at the time. <laughs> that was good. So I think we just tried to get that kind of typical, you know, kind of youth, youthful lyric in there with that, that Absolutely. story. Absolutely. Yeah. Well. Yeah. yeah. I've been there many a times. It's usually snobs, but have you got a, a club of choice? Um, yeah. Oh, quids in in Coventry. Oh, there you go. What the quids in? Don't laugh at it. Oh, well, it's, it is. It is a very nice song. It's very endearing about you know meeting someone on a night, etc., which is really good. But the the good news, the exciting news, that's been really, really successful. You've also done um, a live stream with Sucker on Facebook since the lockdown, which was really successful as well. So well done, guys. But the exciting news is you've got a new release that came out Friday, haven't you? What's that yeah, one? It's called Other Side of Midnight. It came out on Friday and it's um yeah, it's our second single that you can listen to on all streaming platforms. And we're really excited for it. Like we were very like super happy and super grateful for the response we had from the first single. But I think that we all think that this one's a bit of a step up. So really, really excited for it to be out and just to kind of be gauging the feedback from everyone, which will be great, yeah. That'll be excellent. Yeah, and it must be pretty tough during lockdown for you guys, um, especially it seems that, you know, how long have you been together? Is it Have you been together long? Is it you, has it most of it been during lockdown? Yeah, it's been a lockdown majority of it. We start, we kind of had our first rehearsal in January 2020, so... January the 12th. Yeah. So, yeah. You're not yeah. <clears throat> not long ago. So we've been in lockdown longer than we've not been in lockdown. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so you yeah. guys are gonna absolutely burst when you can actually go out and perform to a crowd, which by that time, hopefully yeah, we we'll a fan base, yeah. Hopefully, yeah. I think hopefully. it's definitely happened the good way around of like we you know we didn't have really high expectations of knowing what it's like being, you know, going out and gigging and having live audiences. We've kind of worked the other way around from having like being really content with just doing live streams. And then when we do get like big standing crowds, you know, in the future, hopefully that would just be insane for us. So I think it's, it's oh, kind of, it's been yeah. all right, yeah. You'll be the ones with stage for it. You'll be on there looking at the crowd going, oh, what's going on? <laughs> I don't know what to do. Yeah, yeah you won't. So you're all pretty local then, I take it. Whereabouts from Birmingham have you actually come from? I'm, um, I'm Stetchford, me. I'm, uh, do you know, Stetchford way, but yeah. Yeah, Heartland yeah, yeah. Hospital and all that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the one. <laughs> what about you, Wendy? 
I'm on like more, I'm in Solihull, so not sent, not in Birmingham, but kind of, you know, we kind of just call Birmingham our base. Mate, obviously Max is from Birmingham. And then like, since we're all on the out, the rest of us are on the outskirts and we always kind of go in to the city to rehearse mm. at different studios. And so, you know, that's kind of where we would say. Yeah. Digbeth is the meeting point. Yeah. Right. Digbeth's the place to be. Digbeth is the heart. <laughs> it really is. And what about you, Joe? Where are you from? I'm from Kingshurst, but I don't live there anymore. So. <laughs> What's the matter with Kingshurst? I'm actually uh, from next door, next door to Kingshurst. So, uh, nice. We're currently like back in um, Lady Alicia because she's from Kingshurst, isn't she? On Dancing yeah. with Ice. Yeah. Soon to be the second most famous person from Kingshurst. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> There's Sabrina <laughs> as well. Yeah. There's a few spreading. I think Birmingham. It's got to be one of the most exciting places at the moment for like young and aspiring bands because there is just so many of them. And like, <clears throat> excuse me, even working with Switch, I've managed to speak to so many more during lockdown because you can do it over Zoom and you can get the time, you know, instead of taking them away from their, you know, creating or the performing, you can just do it over Zoom and that way then we can still reach out to the crowd as well, which is fabulous. Mm. Yeah, definitely. So this new single, this is out on, on Friday, <clears throat> it was out on Friday, and it's across all streaming platforms, and it's called, called Other Side of Midnight. Is this another kind of creative one that you're not quite sure <laughs> what happens with the side of midnight? Is it that type of thing? or? Yeah, the theme of the song is kind of like um, you have like a friend or a partner who's going through a bit of a rough time, and it's about like reaching out a hand to kind of help them and help them get through that and to show them in a similar way to like One Night Lover, there's that kind of like young kind of excitement of like, you know, the kind of things, you know, the possibilities that are out there, but it has a bit more of a mature theme, I guess, in a way, kind of saying that you have people around who always want to help you out. And there's kind of a brighter side to what you might currently be seeing if you're in a dark spot. So yeah, that's kind of, the... oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> God's made uh, appearance. <laughs> yeah, well, that no, that's kind of the theme that the lyrics take. Yeah. Oh, brilliant! So, who is the writer in the group? Mainly Max, and then kind of I sometimes write some of the lyrics as well, and then we all uh, work on the music together. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Cool. That's brilliant. And Max, um, when did you, you know, when did when did you realise that you were uh, that you wanted to be in a band that you were a singer rather than the musician? Oh. I, I joined these guys first. Um, this was we had like another band before. <laughs> um, this was like like a year before we'd formed. Um, in the summer when we were all in year eleven, we thought we'd just have a jam, nothing serious. It was like that. And then I joined as a lead guitarist, and I kind of quickly kind of into being the singer. <laughs> yeah, I kind of started just you know doing it, and it, it just grew. And then and then when we all got back together like a year later. We were like, mm, we know which roles we wanted to do, and we all changed around. It was just, it was just a load of fun. And I've always, I've always liked that idea of kind of, you know, you know, performing and just getting out there doing your songs. <laughs> the front man gig. And what about um? Yeah. <laughs> and what about influences? Because um, on Sucky you did um, did a cover of the Kooks, which. Are they are they a band that you that you like and that you listen to a lot? And what, what other influences have you had? Yeah, like the Kooks are a good one. I've seen them live, but they were really good. So I think um, 
we kind of all like formed over a mutual love of Ar the Arctic Monkeys. So that's kind of an influence. Um, I think like the Strokes. The Strokes and even newer acts like um, Inhaler from Dublin. They were just amazing and they're yeah. doing bits at the minute. And I also love, well, the Birmingham bands, The Claws. Just yeah, love, just love The Claws. Yeah, their Christmas gig is sort of what, sort of, what's the word, got us back together. Oh, right, okay. Was that, yeah, uh, the one at the O2? Yeah, yeah, yeah. that was we, the one. Uh, oh, we have since, I think, we sort of went our, went our ways with the old band. Said when five days later we'd formed a new band again. <laughs> so the claws actually inspired you to get back together. That's fantastic. That's really yeah. good that we're yeah. allowed to hear each other yeah. to hear that. You could get on the support list if you know <laughs> if they're playing any big games. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is we that... ended up we supported them um at the Glee Club. That was our first gig. We managed to social do it. Distance. And yeah, it was it was like a yeah, social distance, everyone was sitting down, but it was really fun. And um, yeah, no, they're really top guys for having us on there, to be honest, for our mm. first gig, supporting <laughs> yeah, them. That's it. And they're lovely lads. And they're from King's Earth, uh, Joe. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> one or two of them are anyway. No, that that um, that Glee Club one was so good because I missed out. I just, it sold out really quickly. So I didn't manage that's, to That's the only reason I, uh, we tried to get on the support for it because I missed out <laughs> on getting tickets. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, it obviously works. There you go. And how did you find that social distance gig? How was it? Uh, I was on the, well, it was, it was really good, I think. And I think yeah. there, was, there was less pressure on us to perform because it wasn't it wasn't like a massive standing sellout crowd. Yeah. It was a mixture of like, it was good because it was a smaller audience because obviously if everyone's on tables, you can't fit as many people. Mm. And it was like a really nice venue for a first gig as well because it's quite, you know, a little bit professional and everything's managed really well there. But then you also have, you know, it's quite nerve wracking how everyone's kind of sat down and just watching you instead mm. of dancing around and moving around. So in a way, it feels like there's more eyes on you and there's more, a little bit more like, nervous. I don't know, a bit more nervous. Oh, well, we were really nervous because we thought no one can get into it. But when we were up there, when you're doing your thing, it's, yeah. your time flies, doesn't it? So and then it's after, three it's, nights afterwards to have lots of having that sort of entry level to gig in. So sort of dip our toes in a bit. Now we're ready to... Well, go on to the, the proper thing and get yeah. bigger. Yeah. yeah. As I say, you guys are going to burst when you actually, you know, headline your own show and have your own fun base there. It's just going to be absolutely amazing. Yeah. So, yeah, really and if you carry on with the feedback that you're getting from your singles, it's going to be just wild. It really is. Maybe the claws can support you guys. Um, <laughs> never. Well. never. No, you're right, though. There's, there's loads of, um, loads of, um birmingham based bands that are, that are so good the um sonic gun and sonic uh wave kind of festivals that were supposed to be happening last year yeah, Sound amazing. yeah. The, the yeah no, love, um sonic, sonic gun, gun. Yeah. they're great yeah. top guys that's it but the the, the, uh, the list of people that were playing i'm like i'm done I'm, I'm just gonna sit there for two days and watch all these bands yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah i love the twang what i went to go see them Love it. Yeah, they're good. I went to see them years ago. I'm so much older than you, but yeah, they were. Um, <laughs> the, do you know the hummingbird down on Dale End? Or what was no, the hummingbird? Sure. See, that's how old. Oh, no, never mind. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've seen them a couple of times. I actually, saw them in Mosley Park as well about five years ago. I know it was Ocean Colour scene that were headlining, but the Twang supported. So yeah, they're pretty good as well. Right. So, yeah. Joe, have you got any bands around in Birmingham that you like as well, other than the Claws? 
there's loads of them over Wave and the assist. Yeah, I've seen them as well, yeah. I think the assist particularly, because I saw them first as a support act, and they have more people in the gig for their support act than the headline. Why? Wow. <laughs> they stuck out to me. And they just, had, they just had good songs. Every single song was just different, but it was just class. I think people yeah. can be a bit scared of listening to music that they don't actually know, but I love it and I think it's great. And as you say, Joe, you know, you can ha go to see a band and it'll, you know, even the support, be like, oh, these are all right. And then it's a band at the next one's great, the next one's a band at, and it's just, you know, so never, you know, I, I always say to my friends, never be afraid of going to see a band you don't know because they're all very, you know, they want to go and see bands that have already established and have already yeah. got big names. But that's yeah. when you pay the big money as well. And it's like, well, yeah. I don't want to pay yeah. £60, you know, when I can go down to Digbeth, watch three bands for seven yeah. Not exactly. trying to put you out of an income or anything, but... <laughs> <laughs> no. no. So when you do get back into... Um, yeah, it shows that, you know... When you do get back into gigging, where do you want to go? Where, where's your... Where's your Aim, what way do you want to play? Yeah, I feel like we're kind of starting. We want to do some of the classic Brum venues, Sunflower Lounge. You have and then, to, yeah, you have uh, to work your way up. Mama Roos, I think. Yeah, like kind of have that in the future plan, hopefully. And then eventually the aim would be kind of like the O2 Institute or Academy, but that's in the future, you know, maybe supporting someone there. But those venues are so cool. Or like so. the, the little room in there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, the, the very, very end goal. I want to St Andrews, the Blues Ground. <laughs> <laughs> get to that point, I can retire. That's it, you've made it then. <laughs> yeah. Well, guys, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you this afternoon. And uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing how you get on and all the best wishes for all your, your singles. And as I say, it's available on streaming platforms, wherever you get your, your singles from. So good luck then, guys. Thank you, Max, Indy and Joe, and Ellie, who's absent, but good luck. <laughs> and we'll speak to you soon. Thank you very much. Thank yeah. you. Cheers. Thank you. Back over to Ben. Thank you. The Week with Ben Ellis. This is Switch. Hi, we're Overpass. And this is our new single, Other Side of Midnight, playing here on Switch Radio.
side of side It's alright If you come with me to the With Ben Ellis. This is Switch. We'd like to thank you very much for taking the time to download and listen to our podcast. The show, The Week, is back this Sunday between 12 and 2 with me, Ben Ellis, on Switch Radio across Birmingham. Thank you to all of our guests for the discussions that we've had on the programme. To Harry Wallop from The Gadget Show, all about the fact that we don't want to go back to work. We don't want to go back to the office. Not at all. Once this... Uh, lockdown is uh, gradually over, I suppose, um, they will say. To our two guests, the authors, uh, to Keith and Jackie of Bob Dylan Troubadour Tales. That book is available now. It's an absolutely fascinating read. And to our sleep and relationship experts who joined us on the show as well. And in many ways, uh, the stars of the show, Overpass, fantastic Birmingham band. We heard their music as well in conversation with fiona douglas what will we talk about next week who knows that's the beauty of how we do this if you download our uh, podcast in the usual ways you can subscribe you get a notification we'll talk to you next week the week with ben ellis this is switch